0: Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Soccer Morning on Backheel.com. Uh, we are I think we're ready. Sometimes technology doesn't want to respond when you want it to. Anyway. Updates. Why do I what is everything gotta update right when I don't want it to update? Anyway, we are here. Wednesday edition of the program, big one for you today. Brian Sherretta from American Soccer Now will join us. In just a little bit, we'll go over some of the uh, more interesting story involving uh, young American players abroad, including a couple based in Germany. I'm going to get to some news on both of those players here momentarily. We'll take stock of the U.S. men's national team with Brian ahead of those qualifiers against Guatemala in Guatemala City and then back in Columbus, Ohio. And we'll talk U23s as well with Andy Herzog with a A colossal task in front of him to beat the Colombians over two legs, first down there in Colombia, then here at Frisco, Texas. Will there be anything left in the tie when the United States returns to Frisco next Tuesday? So Brian Shoretta coming up in just a couple of minutes. Make sure you stick around for that. Brian is always uh, always on point here. Um, UEFA has refuted reports that Euro 2016 could be played behind closed doors due to security concerns. Uh this was according to tur- uh originally tournament executive committee vice president Giancarlo Abate went on French radio and said something to the effect of we could play this tournament behind closed doors that was then refuted by uh UEFA now Belgium has canceled their friendly against Portugal schedule for next week because of the uh, the terrorist attacks uh in Brussels um that obviously has nothing to do Uh, With Euro 2016 necessarily, but UEFA has insisted there are no plans to play matches at Euro 2016 behind closed doors. Speaking to French radio station Radio 24 following the terror attacks in Brussels on Tuesday, UEFA Executive Committee Vice President Giancarlo Abate was quoted as saying, we can't exclude the possibility of playing behind closed doors as we cannot exclude terrorism. But UEFA said in a statement, we are confident that all security measures will be in place for a safe and festive Euro and therefore there are no plans to play matches behind closed doors however we are nevertheless working on contingency plans and on multiple scenarios around crisis situations since we take the security of all participants players fans etc uh, etc very seriously so um it's just a very tense situation uh clearly with uh, the events of um of last year uh recent uh, attacks in paris and now these attacks in brussels and uh, Euro 2016 coming up this summer so we will keep a close eye on that if it is a question of putting people in danger versus playing some soccer matches you cancel the soccer matches no matter how much uh, that's going to hurt people who are very much looking forward to Euro 2016. U.S. soccer has confirmed that 17-year-old Dortmund midfielder Christian Pulisic will join the full U.S. men's national team next week for a qualifier against uh, Guatemala in Columbus, Ohio, depending on his health. There was I I went on a a little bit of a, not a rant, but I had a little bit of a discussion yesterday over the wisdom of bringing in a player like uh, Christian Pulisic um, to the full national team at the age of 17. I think we had Bill in New York call us up and, and talk about that. Uh then immediately following my SiriusXM show yesterday we get word uh from um from US Soccer courtesy of Doug McIntyre over at ESPN FC that in fact US Soccer did call up Christian Pulisic he stayed behind in Dortmund because of a cold uh but he could join the US men's national team for that second uh, qualifier against Guatemala um in Columbus, Ohio on Tuesday that's very interesting Pulisic uh, received his first-ever call-up to the senior national team but was left off the final squad when he picked up a cold. Uh, there had been speculation that Pulisic could join the under-23 team uh, for the Olympic playoff against Columbia, but he will instead jump directly to the senior team. Um, man, I, I get it, but I'm also i I'm concerned about the U23s. You're taking a lot of talent that could help them beat Columbia and make a, make their way into the, the Olympics. Out of that squad, you're sort of hamstringing uh, Andy Herzog a bit, so we'll see how this plays out uh, with uh, Christian Balisic. Speaking of uh, players based in Germany, as I said, American striker Bobby Wood drawing interest from Hamburg, Liverpool, and Leverkusen, according to a report uh, from the Berliner Courier. Uh, he has already met with Hamburg officials, according to uh, various reports. Uh, he is 23 years old. He scored uh, 14 goals so far for Union Berlin in his career, um, obviously u.s international called up for the qualifiers against guatemala may play a role in those games um we'll see what happens he is it looks like bobby wood set for a move up in the world we'll touch touch on that with brian Charetta, certainly uh, and ask him if bobby wood is is ready to do so manchester city hope that pep guardiola's move to the etihad will entice Lionel messi to follow according to reports this is Uh, This, to me, sounds like wild speculation that really doesn't have any basis in reality. But uh, if Manchester City is grasping at straws, good for them. If Messi decides to leave Barcelona, which he has never once said he wants to do, maybe Pep Guardiola can convince him to go to Manchester City. I, I, I I think Lionel Messi in England is not necessarily something we all are that anxious to see. And if he ended up playing out his entire career with Barcelona in La Liga... Uh, that would be fine by the rest of us. Uh, we'll see if Pep Guardiola has the kind of pull to convince Lionel Messi to uh, pull up stakes in Barcelona and move to Manchester where it's cold and dreary and rains all the time. Uh, yeah. Got five international friendlies on the schedule today. The window is, uh, the international window is open. These leagues will take off, uh, this, this coming weekend. So you've got Croatia against Israel, Slovenia and Macedonia, Romania, Lithuania, Gibraltar, tiny little Gibraltar against tiny little Liechtenstein. That's actually somewhat interesting to me. Is that on television anywhere? And Poland versus Serbia. So uh some games there. Also some African Nations Cup qualifying according to uh ESPN. South Sudan and Benin, Chad ten, uh, Tanzania, uh Seotome Ipreisempe, uh against Libya, uh Guinea Bissau against Kenya and Zambia versus congo so internationals coming up it's that kind of week speaking of internationals we're going to talk about all of that international stuff with our friend brian from american soccer now in just a couple of minutes it's a wednesday edition of soccer morning on backhill.com stay there let's do this soccer morning here's your host jason davis all right a bit of a change of plans here on a wednesday we thought we were going to grab brian charretta right now we are going to try to bri- grab brian Charetta later so that means the phone lines are now open 646-832-3909 thoughts on anything we've hit on so far off the news uh, certainly uh, Bobby Wood and this potential interest he's getting from other clubs, including Hamburg, Leverkusen, and Liverpool. Christian Pulisic and the the wisdom of bringing him into the full national team, uh, a a step that is uh, pretty drastic, pretty remarkable for a 17-year-old. I'm not saying it's the wrong move. Um, ultimately, it's, uh, it's about whether or not he's good enough, not necessarily whether or not he's old enough. Uh, but we have we have gone down this path before. We have been down the hype train path, and maybe maybe everyone who's come before P- Christian Pulisic, or, or or most of the players who have come before Christian Pulisic, who were in his shoes as a phenom, a player we were excited to see make a full arrival to the senior national team, maybe they hadn't accomplished as much at the age, as much at the age of seventeen as he has. Maybe that makes him different. Maybe he's ready in a way that those guys weren't ready. I hope that's true. I really do, uh, for his sake, because it seems as though Jurgen Klinsmann has no compunction about bringing in a young, a a very, very young player if he has shown flashes of being good enough to play for the U.S. Men's Senior Match. And now, all this is relative, of course. If the seniors' national team was in a better position, a better place, if there were uh, more players that you could consider game-changers, guys who are... On a level to help this team go out and win games against competition they should beat and traditionally have. Maybe Christian Polisic isn't in the team. Maybe you don't have uh, the same sort of justification for calling him in. If your national team program is in a better place, that, that would seem to be the, the logic for me if this team had come off a solid Gold Cup last year, a couple of really good qualifiers, everything was going, uh, everything was going great, you maybe don't call in Christian. And that, that's, the, that's the weird catch-22 of having a national team program that is suffering a bit. It might not be the best environment for, for a 17-year-old player to make his debut or make his arrival to the senior level, and yet you probably need him more than if you were good. So if you were good... It's the right environment. If you're bad, it's the right. It's the it's it's he can contribute. So there we go. All right. Uh, it's this is a uh this is a situation where um. Uh, we yeah we don't know if he's gonna play at all. It's not really the issue for me. Uh, seventeen years old. He's in senior camp. He could be with the U twenty threes. It you know again it's um. It's, it's pretty clear that he's a special player. We'll see what ends up happening. If he doesn't play, this is the other question. If he doesn't play for the senior team, if, if Clemson calls him in, runs him through the paces and he doesn't play, and, and that's certainly possible. And it's certainly uh, on some level understandable from Clinton's perspective, seeing how he fits in, seeing how he integrates into the full senior squad. Since you imagine he's going to be there sooner rather than later and the use, the 23s lose, then they're going to be, there's going to be some second guessing of that decision. Um, I'm not sure that he is definitely good enough or not good enough, but in the right place or the right fit to help the U23s win. And they have a sort of an established group and he's not part of it. And there's lots of reasons that that throwing him in with the U23s isn't the right thing either. And yet, if they lose and Christian Pulisic is with the senior team instead, people are going to say, hey, wait a second. You didn't give Herzog every opportunity to win his series against Columbia. You kept John Brooks, you kept DeAndre Yedlin, and you kept Christian Pulisic. How do you expect him to go and beat a better side if you don't give him all of the weapons that you have available? Phone lines are open, 646-832-3909. Uh, we've got uh, that, all that stuff I just talked about on the table we've got uh the bobby wood situation i i i you know we we obviously uh mentioned the euro 2016 uh issues with security that have now cropped up uh, again in light of what happened in brussels uh, i don't know that we can provide any particular insight into any of that but it's certainly a troubling situation and uh uh, thoughts and prayers. And, 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 you know, let's just remember that there are terrorist attacks that happen around the world in various places. Brussels is not the only place that have been, and been hit by, um, uh, by terrorists in recent days and recent times. So just, uh, you know, have, share a thought or a, have a thought or, or share a, uh, well, however, however you decide to note these things, um, just to be aware that, uh, there are people suffering all over the place, uh, because of extremists. All right. Uh, we've got, um, we've got, Hey, here's some interesting news. I, I, I didn't put this in there. I could have thrown it in when I talked about Christian. Apparently the kid's cousin is going to join Dortmund. So you've got one Polisic in the team. u 17 men's national team goalkeeper, will Polisic announced on Monday that he's signed with Dortmund. He's going to skip college at Duke and he's going to go to the Bundesliga and then he's going to play with his cousin Christian. At first, you know, you kind of went, Oh, they're brothers. No, they're not brothers. They're, they're cousins. So you got two ballistic, uh kids there at, uh, at Borussia Dortmund. Uh, so that's uh, quite the American contingent. A two, a two person American contingent. <laughs> uh, yesterday on Soccer Morning Serious XM edition, we had the opportunity to, uh, to check in with Bill Peterson, the commissioner of the North American Soccer League. Everybody knows. Uh, Bill, he's out there quite regularly doing the rounds, talking to the media, talking up his league. They got their season starting in 10 days. Uh, 2016 will be their sixth season. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, their sixth season as the NASL. Uh, They did operate. uh, They were part of the teams that are part of the NASL, that make up the NASL at one time. Uh, played as part of that U.S. soccer second division back in 2000. Was that 2010? Is that how long ago that was? Man, that seems like it was not that long ago. All right. Uh, But the NASL heading into an interesting season, and it seems as though, and this is going to be the foreseeable future, I don't necessarily think this is a strike against the NASL if you take into account how young they actually are. But they're going to be dealing with the situation where they're going to drop a team or two every year and they're going to add a team or two every year. Right now, they've got a, a plus one over the course of the entire 2016 season because they lost last year uh, from last year, San Antonio and Atlanta. Both of those teams ceased operations. Now, there's a replacement team in San Antonio. It's of the USL variety. I think the, the Atlanta Silverbacks are now an MPSL team, and obviously, they're getting an, an MLS team in Atlanta starting next year. So NASL is adding, um, they're adding Oklahoma City, well, Rio OKC is the name of that team, Miami FC, both of those teams set to start play in 10 days' time when the league gets underway, and Puerto Rico FC, who will join in the fall. Now, I'm hoping to make some contact with the people down in in Puerto Rico and, and maybe get a, a little bit of, I'm not sure a tour is, is what I can get. I'm not sure what there is to tour. I know that they play. They're going to be playing in the same stadium in Bayamón that the former Puerto Rico Islanders played in. Uh, but, but I'd be interested to talk to to people who are running that club. Now we know about the Carmelo Anthony uh, backing financially, and Carmelo has ties to the island, and everything's gravy. And they've even got some pretty slick looking sneakers that are coming uh, that are coming with some Puerto Rico colors. Actually, that's I think that's a custom thing for Carmelo. Nobody else can get their hands on those, but it's still pretty good branding. But remember, this is a place that has seen a team die before. Uh, Maybe lack of of organization, maybe poorly run. Um, Puerto Rico is an island that traditionally has been uh, way more into baseball and basketball than into soccer. That that may be changing, but it's still an uphill climb. There's there's no real difference to the um, popularity of soccer in Puerto Rico uh, than the popularity of soccer in the United States in the mainland United States. So... Um, you have an opportunity here, but at the same time they better get it right because here 's what n e s l has to avoid, just like m l s you can 't put a team in a market with some sort of spurious notion that it might work and then and, and then watch the thing fall apart and end up having to start over again with a with either the team disappears and now you 're talking about a little bit of a Maybe a scorched earth situation. Apparently, the Islanders didn't kill off Puerto Rico as a soccer market enough to to keep the uh, keep a, a new team from going in. But you you can't you can't have teams coming and going without stability. The league is nothing. I mean, if any wants to continue to grow, they have to reach a stable place. Now, I understand with only twelve teams, uh, they went to eleven in the spring season and twelve in the fall, right? I think that's right. They want they want to get bigger. They under I understand why they want to get bigger. I'm not talking about stability in terms of lack of expansion. Stop expanding. I I just mean that this the team that they do put in place have to be solid, legitimate teams with the kind of of financial backing that means they can stick it out if things don't go well at the gate. Now, part of the issue for NASL has been television, not just from a money perspective, because I don't think there's going to be a ton of money in it for NASL right now, but from a From a a, a visual perspective, from getting people to even recognize NASL as a viable soccer product that they want to watch. They had to deal with One World Sport. They have one game uh, per week on One World Sports, which is uh, also the home of the Cosmos, if if I'm remembering correctly. They're expanding some of that this year. Uh, One World Sport is making the web stream of their game of the week available to everybody, regardless of what kind of cable package you have. So, you don't have to have, uh, you know, you don't have to verify that you have One World Sports on your, uh, on your TV package in order to get the web stream. So, that's good. And I believe, and, and we tried to talk, we, we didn't really dive in and ask specifically because he denied it before I even got the question out of my, or he denied it. He, he, he he mentioned he wasn't going to talk about details before I got the question out of my mouth. But the word on the street is that NASL is talking to be in sports. Now, they, they had, the rumor was they previously were talking to CBS Sports. So either one of those, those deals would be an upgrade over where they are now, clearly. Uh, BN Sport is not incredibly accessible for a lot of people. Um, CBS Sports is, a, I think, a channel a lot of people get, don't, don't even realize is there or exists. CBS has done a terrible, terrible job of spreading the word about that channel. So, um, those are only minor upgrades but again relatively speaking those are significant upgrades because if you go from 0 and you go to 2 that's still a, that's still a 200% increase i mean that's a big deal to to ha- to be able to just get yourself on a national television platform um of of any type for that matter all right so we are here on a soccer morning wednesday edition of the show um, six four six eight three two thirty nine zero nine is the phone number if you want to jump in. Uh, the other thing about NASL that I've been thinking about in a lot of my conversation with Bill Peterson, uh, not the pro rel thing. I mean that 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 that's part of this element of NASL, but but really I think it's a uh, you know I think that that's a a red herring. The whole pro rel uh discussion is is a red herring. The pro-rail discussion on the part of NASL and its executives, whether they be Seamus O'Brien at the Cosmos or Bill Peterson in the commissioner's office or any number of people, the entire discussion is essentially a way, and I'm not saying it's consciously a plan necessarily, although I wouldn't put it past some of these people, it's just a way to set up NASL as the alternative to MLS, and that's fine. Part of what I think NASL has done well since they since they came back to life as a league into in 2011 uh they did choose NASL consciously obviously um one of the things i think they've done well is set themselves up as the alternative league as the counterculture league as the underground sort of uh, we're the rebel league now they're not in the sense that it's still a conventional business they're still individual clubs still running still trying to make money still it, it's still a closed league um you know obviously they're they're not involved in promotion and relegation at the moment um there's there, there are lots of reasons to say that nesl's only marginally different than mls um. Yes. Um. Conceivably, N A S L teams can spend as much as they want as on their players. There is no salary cap, and yet there is a de facto salary ceiling because, simply put, the league doesn't make enough money. The teams don't make enough money, uh, for them to go off wildly spending. There is no billionaire owner in N A S L who's turning one of his turning one of their teams into a super club. Uh, spending with no with with no issue at all about getting that money back. That that hasn't happened. Maybe it will. Hasn't happened yet. So, N E S L. Okay, it's a different shade of gray in, in terms of uh, in terms of a soccer league in America. But they have done a good job. The messaging has been strong. The fans who have taken up the mantle of being N E S L fans of whatever team or or the league itself have done a good job of trying to turn the NASL into the counterculture league that appeals to some people i mean especially if you don't like single entity or you think that MLS uh is somehow a uh proxy for nfl owners to to control soccer uh, that's my favorite sorry that's my favorite conspiracy theory of all time <laughs>
1: uh
0: so uh, you know it it is it's it is interesting that NASL has chosen to both be a league built on nostalgia but also very much looking forward and and because they they want to have it both ways. I mean, we're looking at a situation where you've got the New York Cosmos, the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, the Tampa Bay Rowdies and yet they also want to bring back and they want to bring back the Chicago Sting and yet they also have Rio OKC and they have um Miami FC and they're going into places uh that are you know, San Francisco deltas and, and perhaps something in, in Los Angeles, Orange County. I, I don't know. Um, some of this, some of this seems a little cheap, but at the same time, uh, MLS has also leaned on history. So what history we do have is being, uh, utilized by both, uh, by both leagues. All right. Bill in New York. What's going on, my man?
1: Jason, after I spoke with you yesterday, I gave uh Jorgen a call and told him that you didn't think it was a good idea calling Christian in
0: for these <laughs> games. Yeah, sure you did, Bill. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and this is, this is why he brought it in. You'd bring them in just to spite you, we think.
0: Yeah, sure. I look I I, I don't know Christian Pullicit, you know. I, I I don't know him as a person. I don't know how mature he is. I don't know how ready he is. And and that therefore I gotta beg off, you know. Um again. <laughs> If I'm I'm standing here with the, the best information I got, I want him in the U-23s, Bill, because I think he can help more. But eh, whatever, it's Leergan's team. I mean, th- okay. Well, now, I was thinking about that with Yadlin and Brooks,
1: and uh, I heard this somewhere that if he called them in for the under-23s, those teams may not have released the these U- guys Yeah, I mentioned maybe that. Some, I, I don't know that that's yeah, true, though. That?
0: I, I, well, I mentioned the possibility, but I, but, and that maybe I can ask Brian Sharetta if we can get him on the line. I, I don't know if that's the case or not. I mean, the, I, I know that generally speaking, youth team call-ups are not mandatory, you know, they're not mandatory release situations for clubs. That may be the case here. Maybe you're right. Maybe this is a situation where Dortmund wouldn't have released him. But then again, you know, it, it's also about good faith. Dortmund's take, you know, the, the Bundesliga is going to be breaking. They're not going to play during the international break. Yeah, could could Christian Pulisic benefit from some training while everybody else is away? Sure, but they know if he's good enough, he's going to get called up all the time. Why not why not be in a, have a good relationship with US Soccer because occasionally you may want to keep him around and if you can negotiate a situation where Pulisic doesn't go one day or, or there's an injury. and I mean, I just think that the, it works in everybody's best interest if there's honesty and clarity there rather than this, well, we don't really want to release him, just deal with it kind of thing.
1: Now, what if we don't do well on Friday night with the under-23 team? You think there's a chance that Yedler and Brooks play for them on Tuesday? Yeah, I suppose okay, there's a chance.
0: Teams? I suppose there's a chance. Um I think all of that stuff has to be in play. I mean, if you're Gergen Klinsman, you want all your options on the table. Um, you know, if it's five nothing Columbia going back to the second leg, they're not playing. But if it's you know, if it's I don't know, if it's two one Columbia coming back or two nothing Columbia coming back, two one is actually a really good score line for the US. But if it's if it's if it's two nothing, yeah, maybe they play. Maybe you bring them in.
1: Yeah, I'd like to see it. I hope to see it. Jason, thanks. I'll talk Appreciate to you.
0: Appreciate it, Bill. There goes uh, Bill up in Thank New you. York. Good stuff from him. Uh, let me hit Twitter briefly. R. Patrick Smith, for goodness sake, NASL combined with MLS and have a couple divisions of, to pro-rail would be fantastic. No one is arguing that the the idea is fun. No one is arguing that it might even be good for American soccer that uh, to have promotion and relegation at some point. The issue is that you're not going to get MLS to agree to it. Uh, I question whether or not you could get NESL to agree to, no matter what Bill Peterson wants to say in certain individuals within the NASL structure. Those are still people who have invested a lot of money into soccer clubs. The same issue you have telling Sheikh Mansoor and CFG that they might go down and they paid a $100 million an, uh, tr- uh, tr- the expansion fee, excuse me, you're gonna have the same issue with the owners of, of of NASL clubs. Just because it's not 100 million bucks doesn't mean they're gonna be like, "Hey, yeah, sure, no problem. Ah, we just spent a couple million bucks on this team. Yeah, we'll totally take the risk of going down to to the third division. Ah, yeah, sure, why not? Absolutely. And and we still haven't addressed. And I and I I keep I, I should have asked Bill. I mean, I'll admit to it. I should have asked Bill Peterson. We still haven't addressed. Whether or not NESL is going would happily take up the second division status to get the thing rolling. Now, Bill's talks about integrating the divisions. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a truly important idea. Okay, integrating all of the divisions, having people work together, having everybody moving in the same direction. U.S. American soccer has never had that ever, ever. It's never happened. Ask Bo. It's never happened. There's always, if 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 like 80% of the, the the people are heading one direction, there's always 20% pulling in the other direction, slowing things down. So integrating the, the, the divisions, having people talk to each other, having them work together, having some sort of integration is a fantastic idea. Fantastic idea. But if you said, we're going to institute pro tomorrow, okay, let's just imagine a world where somebody can snap their fingers and say, pro Rel, it's happening, let's go. MLS is the top division, okay? There's a TV contract, there's stadiums, there's attendance. there's established brands. It's the top division, okay? So NESL is going to happily slide into the second division? A, A league that has constantly said what their goal is is to challenge MLS for first division status? Yeah, we all know they're very far away from doing that. But I don't begrudge them the ambition. Are they going to suddenly say, yeah, you know what? To get this thing started, we'll just be second division. Yeah, sure. Why not? I, I just, I don't, I don't, that to me, that's the issue. There, there's going to be some sort of negotiation. We're going to sit down at the table. Okay. We got 20, we got 20 MLS teams, soon to be 24 MLS teams and uh, there's 12. Okay. Are we going to split? Are you going to, how are you going to do that? Just think about the, the pragmatic issues. First of all. The logistical issues. Think about the logistical issues. Get back to me. Okay. Don't give me a plan that says MLS is the first division and NASL is the second division. You fill it out with some USL teams and then you have a third. Don't give me that's basic, like just the basic organization. Give me the logistical plan. Explain to me how you convince people who have spent millions of dollars in MLS and NASL. That it's it's in their best interest to accept this situation. All right. Um, Again, want it to happen. Would love for it to happen. Ready for it to happen? I'm ready for it to happen. American soccer is not ready for it to happen. That's the difference. Let's go to Daniel Down in Alabama. What's up, Daniel?
2: Hey, man. How's it going this morning?
0: It's going well. What's on your mind?
2: Um, I was—I didn't know—I I was a little late getting on the show this morning, but uh I was wondering if you discussed the ESPN FC article where they had polled the MLS players and uh came up with the most overrated player, yeah, most Dan- underrated player. I coach don't know if you I want to play for Daniel. I don't know if it I talked. Have other questions?
0: I don't know if I talked about it on this show. I did. Did I talk about it on this show? No, it dropped between shows. So I talked a lot about it on the SiriusXM show. But yes, um, if you are, uh, if you're not a subscriber to that show and and, and didn't get to listen, uh, ESPN did a poll of 123 current MLS players, Jeff Carlisle involved. I'm not sure who else. Um, even though I write for ESPN, I wasn't privy to that process, so I, I don't know who was involved in putting everything together, but it's a very interesting poll in terms of the overrated, underrated player situation. Yep. Mix Discrood named the most overrated player at MLS. Now, 38 players total were mentioned, received votes from these 123. So it, it's not as though Mix got 100 votes. I, I think he, you know, he may have gotten, uh, a, a, a good number, a good chunk, but we're not. You know, it's not even a plurality. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's a number of of votes that puts him above guys like Josie Out the uh, Michael Bradley is in the mix there, Frank Lampard, Andrea Pirlo, Steven Gerard, Giovanni Dos Santos, uh, Benny Failhaber in the top ten. So yeah,
2: yeah. I was I was just interested in the uh, in the in the players' depiction of who's the most overrated. And in the terms of the salaries that they earned, because one of the quotes from the article specifically is, I'm not saying Michael Bradley isn't a good player, but not for what he's getting paid. And so now it's, it's interesting because we're getting into this, um, you know, this rift between MLS players has obviously always been there with the DP contracts being, you know, a substantial portion of a team's salary cap. But, you know, in terms of saying like someone like Michael Bradley is, one of the most overrated players in the league, and then you look just at his salary. So is the argument that he isn't one of the best center midfielders in MLS, or are you talking about, well, he he is one of the best center midfielders in MLS? But he's not worth $6 million. He's worth, I don't know, $600,000. That's
0: that's the thing. Like, what, first of all, it's a subjective, the question has so much subjectivity just in what the meaning of the word overrated is, right? So, you know, what you're presenting is a situation in which a player says he's overrated because he's not making, he's making too much money for what he contributes. And, and hell, I mean, that's most of the DPs, except for maybe Javinko and even him, you could argue. Is overpaid relative to the rest of the league. Um, you know, you wouldn't have gotten him here with for any less money. But I, I, I could, I, I could make that argument that's that,
2: ridiculous. yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, he go ahead, they go ahead. has to be overpaid or they pretty much wouldn't be here. I
0: mean, exactly, exactly. That, same thing for Altidore. Same thing for Bradley. Same thing for obviously the guys that, that you know Lampard and Pirlo makes make it to the list because they're. Paid a lot of money and haven't performed. I mean, we we kind of say, "Oh yeah, that that makes sense." Except they're not. That's the thing. Lampard and Pirlo, to me, the word "overrated" doesn't really apply. You you, they're aging players. You you know that they're not what they used to be. But does that mean they're overrated? I, I'm not so sure. It's, it's a very weird question.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing, um, when talking about the uh, most underrated player, um, you know, both. The top two were Dax McCarty and Darlington yeah. Nagby, Yeah, which, I mean, I, I guess I get having them as the most underrated player, but from everything I read about, like those players are actually rated. Yeah, I know. That's high the, yeah, that's, sorry, that's the, yeah.
0: I was surprised by those <laughs> two as well. In fact, I think what we've established, Daniel. I got to run. We're gonna get Brian Shirett on the show. Appreciate it, man. Um, what what I what I took away from this poll is that everybody's got a different definition and i think that we've reached a point now with dax mccarty where the guy is properly rated i don't think he's underrated anymore i think people recognize what dax mccarty does all right brian charretta is ready we will talk to him when we come back so much u.s national team u23s pulisic wood much much more soccer morning backhill.com
1: Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason
0: Davis. All right, we have managed to secure on the telephone the man, the myth, the legend, Brian Sharetta from American Soccer Now, which has new March rankings, by the way. I was looking at those yesterday. Brian, how are you? Oh, doing very good, Jason. How are you? I'm doing well. It's 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 going to be quite the four days coming up. Um, the U.S. men's national team playing qualifiers against Guatemala, USU 23s, playing in this do-or-die playoff against Columbia. So we've got quite a bit to talk about. I- I'm going to start with Christian Pulisic, uh, the young uh, attacking player from Borussia Dortmund. 17 years old. has broken into the first team. We're all very proud of him. He's uh, he's our next great hope, Brian. I think uh, you know <laughs> we have to be careful on these fronts, but at the same time if he's good enough, he's good enough. And apparently he's good enough to get a look at the senior squad. Um, after I qu- questioned why he wasn't in either one of these teams, turns out he was called up and the only reason he hasn't joined up with the US in, in Miami is is due to a cold um, what do, what do you know about Klinsman's decision to, to bring him in and implicit uh, st- because to me it, it it would make more sense for him to be with the u23s but I, but I suppose he's ready at, at this point I
1: think it's actually a less pressure environment right now to be with the um
0: okay. uh, yeah
1: the, uh, the, the, the the full national team I mean, they have plenty of options. They're going against the Guatemala team they should beat. There's a lot of players in form. Uh, the U-23s are in a dogfight right now. And, and look, and, and the thing about it is, is like that, that, that's two games to determine that team's fate. And if it's um, you know, and, and uh, you know, and the thing is, he hasn't played with any of those guys. Before. So it's, it's kind of starting to walk in like, a, in like a game, in a in a 180-minute game over two legs. Where every minute matters sure. versus Guatemala, where there's more likely to be some garbage time here and there, uh, potentially in the second leg. Fair enough. And, um, and, and on top of that, too, you know, that's the cold thing is, is, is good, um, for him. I mean, I, mean, I talked to Alejandra Bedoya, in, in in my interview yesterday, he talked about Christian Pulisic. He's like, you know, the hype machine has to be turned down for these guys. No matter how talented they are, you don't want to, hype somebody up to be, like, the next savior of the national team or the next guy who's going to be given the keys to the team at, like, 18 years old.
0: Mm-hmm. If you
1: want to bring them in, they rush a lot of guys through the system, and, and sometimes, you know, even before Clinton, and sometimes it hasn't always worked out. Um least sometimes these guys, they get too much too fast, and, and it, it, you know, we, we can go with Freddie Adu, Gali Agbusa Munday, you know, Julian Green, although it's probably too early to mention him in, in that kind of realm, but still... We're talking about guys, you know, all these great hopes, and 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 they were all given caps at various ages, and uh, so you know it's um and, and it's not unprecedented either. I mean, Jonathan Spector played for Manchester United in the Champions League game at eighteen, and that was that was very very much tight for those people old enough to remember. Uh, so you know it's it, it's good to bring them along at a slow and steady pace, and um, and, uh, and and give them giving cases and little incentives, with cold. Uh, you know, he always used to come to Columbus. Not to be able to go down to Central America. He's given like a ah, half a, at the most, a full, full ten days worth of uh, of a manioc camp. But it's it's kind of working out better for, better uh, in this regard.
0: Okay, we're having a bit of a, uh, an issue with your phone, Brian, but I think it maybe uh it maybe came back there at, at the end. Um. So all right, so Christian Pulisic is, you know, and again he's seventeen. Uh, so so pretty much, uh, anything he does at this age is bonus. You're just trying to make sure you don't ruin him before he gets to his, mm-hmm. before he gets to his maturity. So I, I suppose at this point we'll have to trust Klinsmann, and it does make sense, uh, as you said, that maybe the 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 senior squad is a less pressurized environment. Um, let's talk about a a player who's in that senior squad as well, Bobby Wood, um, currently in the the two Bundesliga with Union Berlin. Looks like he's he's um ready for a move. He's got some, by according to reports, it's interest. Now you and I talked about uh, before he came on. What what does that mean? Who knows? Although I did read that he has actually met with somebody from Hamburg, um, Bobby Wood. I mean, uh, is he's good enough at this point, right?
1: You have to think like he's another season in the two Bundesliga is going to be more of the same. He's been in that league now for quite some time, and now he's and he's gradually done better and better and better and. And look, he's the third in the league in scoring, so there's only two spots up to go from there. Um, You'd like to see him in a promotional con- promotional race, but at you know, I, I don't I don't really think that that's really worth it. I mean, he's, he's he's scoring for a team that's not that good, which is make which is even harder to do. Um, so, you know, if he wants to keep challenging him and pushing himself, you know, there's always the always the run the risk of stagnation, and I think that that's, he's running that Union Berlin. He's one of the guys I definitely think is. Is kind of ready for uh, uh, you know uh, something else and something different.
0: Uh, well, he's, he's be. well, Brian, I'm sorry to, to stop you there, but I but I think for a lot of us, the question is okay, what well, well, what his level? I mean, uh, again, Hamburg's H- a, a club in the in the Bundesliga who's having trouble scoring. It makes sense you bring in a a forward and, yeah. and a guy who can put the ball in the net. Um, also mentioned Leverkusen, which you know they they we we know what they've got as they try to to rebuild themselves, and then. Uh, Liverpool mentioned because apparently Jurgen Klopp uh, and his scouts attended a Union Berlin game and were uh, very impressed with Bobby Wood. I mean, is there a best-case scenario? Is it just about the highest level? Or uh, how concerned should we be uh, about whether or not he's going to get playing time at 23?
1: Well, you know, I think he can get playing time if the coach really likes him. He needs to go to a, you know, too many Yanks have gone to a, a team where, like, they go there and then all of a sudden there's a coaching change. And then, then all of a sudden, the guy, the person who really wanted them, doesn't really want the the new guy. Doesn't want him as much. It's best to go. for, He can get playing time anywhere, as, as long as if the coach really likes him and his job is secure and and there's um and and he's and he's going to be relied on to be like a big scoring option too. So, uh, I, I I think it's not so much about the level as it is about like the system and the coaching and stuff and. And look, the more options he has, the better. Um, He's going to have a chance to sit down and really think about things, lay out all the options on the table, and and carefully evaluate all the factors, as well as things like financial concerns, which fans don't really take into consideration, but players—it's their livelihood, so they do. So um, we'll see. I I think um, you know. I think he could survive. He could. He could do very well at a very good team. Uh, you know, if if the if the team is not bringing him in as a luxury item, you know, as a, more as a as a as a guy who can really come in and are yeah. looking to you know fix a scoring problem, I'm confident with his ability. Uh,
0: you know, um, something that's come up uh, with these this, these two rosters, the U23s and the senior roster, as they both play important games. Um, obviously, the, the challenge facing the senior team uh, significantly less than what the U23s are, are facing. Um, Brian, is there any? Do you have any insight into whether or not uh, clubs are not required to release players for U twenty three call ups, or is, or, or is that um, is that a FIFA? Clubs are game? never
1: required to right. release a player for a youth national right. team game, whether or not it's on a window or not.
0: Uh, it, well, okay. It, did that have any? Did that have any impact on on Klinsman and Herzog's decisions? Because I, I mean. I think for yeah. a lot of people it is the, the 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 notion that John Brooks isn't with the U23s look he is a senior level player we know that but why not give Herzog every opportunity to be Columbia?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah I mean look, I think that the US team has center but center backs in addition and right backs in addition to uh, DeAndre Yedlin uh that can contribute to this team uh but look it's uh, it's um you know, clubs act in, in finicky ways. I mean, like, going down to Columbia is a tough, rigorous game. You know, those those, those series are intent. And uh, maybe, the, maybe the clubs just feel, feel like, you know, only take them for what you need. And, and you know, we don't want them to, you know, they don't want these players overtaxed. I mean, Brooks is in the middle of a champion League hunt. I mean, I'm sure that if they could block his senior team release, they would like to do that. So <laughs> right. they're, they're probably not going to do anything more than they don't have to do. Same thing with Sunderland. I mean, DeAndre is the starting right back for a team that's where every single game is a relegation battle. Yeah. So they're probably not going to do anything that they they don't have to do do as well. I mean, clubs generally are bothered by uh, national team. Uh, they like them when they're when the player's not getting games and get, sending them away to the national team is great when the guy can get some get some minutes.
0: But when he's a regular
1: player, they tend not to like it. So um, you know, I I think that those do factor in some things too, but. At the same point, I'm not completely closing the door that there could be some last-minute changes here and there between the two teams.
0: Uh, Yeah, so uh, how do you imagine? I mean, this is all speculation on our part, but, you know, look, uh, um they sh- the, the the senior squad uh, to me anything less than 6 points is is not good enough but you know they they have to go to guatemala city that suppose that on some level that's not super easy there's some things to figure out for clinsman but depending on how things go in that first leg against colombia will that will that dictate some changes that might be coming we know clinsman called in uh more than the 23 uh normally mm-hmm. to be called in for the for the senior squad and, and i suppose herzog could make a case if things are tight after the first leg, that he needs players like Yedlin and Brooks.
1: Yeah, on the flip side, though, what happens if the U.S. plays to a scoreless draw or one nothing draw, uh, one nothing win against Colombia in Colombia? Right? Uh, do you break up that back line? That if the back line produces a, a this, shutout, that's I mean, a good point. Of how good Brooks and, and <laughs> good Yedlin are. I mean, yeah. I mean, if they go down there and pull off a stunning result, do you do you want to just tinker with a back line that just did something like that? Hmm. I mean, it's very difficult questions. Um, Whereas it, what happens if it's like a two to two draw and the, and the back line just, you know, give up a lot of chances and the team, then they may be like, well, they're still in it, but we definitely have room to experiment with the back line. But I think they're, you know, it's, it, it's one of those things will look at definitely, um, if they can't make any changes before that first leg, they'll look at like how the team performed and whether or not, uh, they want to make, uh, um, any changes, uh, or whether, let alone whether or not they're completely necessary. Obviously, if they lose like four nothing in Colombia, it becomes pretty moot.
0: Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, if if they go down and lay an egg um, uh, against the Colombians, then then all bets are off as to what you know what Herzog can can do with that that second leg. Um, how important? I mean, again, it, it's I guess it's easy for me to sit here on the sideline and, and pick apart these rosters and, and question Klinsmann's decisions, uh, particularly when it relates to to age eligible players for Herzog's team. But how important? Um, is the U23 effort in relation to what Klinsman has to do against Guatemala? And look, any other, any other year, maybe you're not even sweating Guatemala, but this is a situation where Klinsman needs to build towards, um, the rest of the qualifying campaign in Copa America.
1: I mean, you know, I, I, it, it's a long term thing, uh, with the U23s. Um, you know, it's, I think the Olympics are very, very important because very, I mean, at the U23 level, you're dealing with full professionals, and the amount of chances that players that age, which are just starting off their professional careers, get to play in FIFA international tournaments outside of just CONCACAF tournaments like the Gold Cup and everything.
0: It's very rare.
1: I mean, you got the World Cup, maybe the Confederations Cup, and on all, on weird years, you get the Copa America. That's pretty much it. And the, and the Olympics really gives those kids a, a chance, a taste of what high-level FIFA international soccer is like. Um, and it really could, you know, looking towards Russia, it could be like a very valuable, very valuable experiences. I mean, the Sydney Olympics in 2000, where they Mm -hmm. run into the semifinals was a big building block, a huge building block for what they wanted to do in in 2002. And I thought that the, um, the Olympics in 2008, even though they didn't make it out of the group, they still played pretty well at times. And that really laid the building blocks for what they tried to do in, um, at the, at the run to the finals in the Confederations Cup Mm -hmm. and, uh, and winning the World Cup group in 2010. So you know I think missing out on two Olympics in a row really really gives our puts our players you know behind the eight ball in terms of uh you know missing out um on on mm-hmm. uh, and being tested at like these kind of tournament environments which are very different than club level stuff. So I think it's very important with what Clemson wants to do, not really short term because he's got enough players who are in their prime later twenties who 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 are playing well at the moment where they can get the results that they that they want if they play well. But in terms of long term, the Olympics are very important. So I think that really fits under Clemson's role as technical director, not so much national team head coach. All right.
0: So we've, um, uh, we've, we've got a, a team as again, a 26 call ups. So he's going to, he's going to have to uh, trim a couple of guys from this group. Uh, I don't know that there's any major surprises here. I mean, obviously you have some newer faces. Uh, certainly, Ethan Finley falls into that category, where well, there is a question a, a a goalkeeper on some level, if only because neither Howard or or Guzan have been playing very well recently. Uh, then there's Fabian Johnson, um, the the best player in the American pool. I think uh consensus uh is is that he is the top guy. For the United States, Brian, and he he injured he he suffered an injury last week, uh, last weekend. Yet he was called up. This is just verification that he's actually hurt. I mean, what what exactly is the thinking here?
1: I mean, I don't know. It's it, injuries are very tough to predict when players are in U.S. team camp. I mean, I think we all remember uh, the whole Josie is ready for the round of uh, sixteen at the World Cup, and, and it turns out he wasn't even close to being ready. Um, you know, and, and, and also sometimes too, players get called in by the national team, uh, where the medical staff looks at them. I think it's a day to day thing. Um, you know, and then of course it's also what role is he going to play? Is he going to play fullback or is he, you know, he's a good fullback. Um, he gets the job done. But I think if you really want to make the most out of what you get out of Fabian Johnson, you got to play him in the midfield. That's where he plays. That's where he develops he was a star for Germany's U21 team that won the Euros and he's been playing there most of his career. So, uh, you know, all these questions in terms of, you know, how do you use Fabian Johnson? And then this time is whether or not he's healthy or not. So we'll see. Um, uh, you know, it's, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not there evaluating him And, uh, You know, and and it's tough to get a read on U.S. soccer when when they release information on injuries.
0: Yeah, hi Brian. uh, Do you have an outlook? I mean, I I don't know if I want you to. I am going to put you on the spot to make predictions, but uh, do you expect uh, a pair of decent results on Friday night? How are you looking at this?
1: I think the full national team uh, uh, is sitting in good shape right now, Uh, despite having a tough twenty fifteen. I think they can put twenty fifteen in the rearview mirror here because. Uh, it's been a, it's been years since we have this many players playing that well for their clubs. It's a it, it's a really good situation right now for the full team for the full team. I mean Cameron Johnson. We can go through the whole list. Uh, Brooks and Cameron. Yeah, it, it's it's a good good situation. You know, I can just you know keep listing them. Uh, you know these guys were not doing as well at their clubs last year, and they're doing much much better now. Uh, the U 23s s. Um, that's going to be very difficult uh, for them to go down to Columbia. But you know, stranger things have happened. But the odds are against them, but the odds are very much in favor of the whole national team in terms of getting a result on the road in Central America, which is historically not always been easy.
0: Yep. Brian Sciretta, American Soccer Now. Go follow him on Twitter at Brian Chireta, wait R E Two Ts? Two R's, Brian? One,
1: no, one R,
0: two Ts. There you go, one R, two Ts. See, from the man himself. Brian, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate jumping on. Thank you very much, Jason. Uh, let's get, That's going to do it for us on a, a Wednesday edition of Soccer Morning. We're going to wrap this one up. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday. Uh, I don't have any real news or notes to, to lay at you right now. We're just going to play the music, say goodbye, encourage you to tweet us at Soccer Morning, follow us on Twitter. I'm on Instagram and Snapchat and all of this stuff. I'm there. I I'm do Periscope sometime. Yeah, see you then. See you tomorrow or Periscope. Bye.